2: With
1: Rick Lowiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I'm your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old school basketball to a new school audience. And today we bring you the second half of our profile on the career of Muggsy Bogues. In last week's episode, we shared his upbringing in the inner city of Baltimore, and we shared his high school career at Dunbar High. He played on a loaded team. Muggsy Bogues was high school teammates with Reggie Williams, Reggie Lewis, and David Wingate. That is four future NBA players on the same high school team. The team went two straight years without losing a single game and they won two Maryland state titles. As I mentioned at the end of the previous episode, Reggie Williams and David Wingate both chose Georgetown University because it was a powerhouse program and it was local to Baltimore where their friends and family could easily attend their home games. Reggie Lewis went to Northeastern University in Boston. In the meantime, Muggsy Bogues went to Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. As far as Muggsy was concerned, Wake Forest was located in the country. I mean, it really is not. Winston-Salem is a city of 250,000 people. That is not exactly the country, but to Muggsy, anything that is not the inner city, was the country. During freshman year, Muggsy did not play a lot. He came off the bench and played 15 to 20 minutes per game depending on the situation. But I have to give credit to his head coach Carl Tacey. They had the guts to recruit a 5'3 point guard. And it was not that Muggsy could not play, he could definitely play, and he proved it over and over again in high school. He was the floor leader for back-to-back state champion high school team. Now this is just me speculating, but my feeling is that the coaches did not want to take a chance on. Muggsy Bogues in case it didn't work out. Most coaches recruited safer bets at the point guard position. In any case, Muggsy ended up at Wake Forest and things were looking up for the Demon Deacons. However, Wake Forest played in the Atlantic Coast Conference or ACC, which also had North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke for competition. When Muggsy arrived at Wake Forest, North Carolina had just won the national championship and North Carolina State was going to win it that year. That is heavy competition. Unfortunately for Muggsy, a lot of talent graduated and the coach had quit. Muggsy became the starting point guard for his sophomore year as Danny Young, the former point guard, had graduated and moved on to the NBA. But there was not much talent around Muggsy to really make a run at the ACC title or even the national title. But they did have one shining moment that season when they defeated number two Duke University. Mugsy gave it to Duke point guard Johnny Dawkins. Muggsy held Dawkins to less than half of his regular scoring and Muggsy was named the ACC Player of the Week. Week. And that... Was the highlight of his entire sophomore year, and the same thing happened to him his junior year. There was not a lot of talent compared to other ACC rivals, although Mugsy put up solid numbers every season, and he was definitely making a name for himself. At the end of his junior year, he was named the MVP of the season for Wake Forest, and that is quite an honor. It also led to him being selected to play that summer for the national team at the basketball world championships, which is now known as the basketball World Cup. He played with the best college talent around and showed the world that this little player from the United States could cause some serious damage. He was so incredibly fast and he stole the ball seemingly at will. Because of his height, he was closer to the floor than other players. He would time the opponent's dribble and reach for the steal when the ball was hitting the floor before bouncing back up into the player's hands. And he did this to everybody. During the World Championships, the United States had to play against the Soviet Union and their 7'3 center, Arvidas Sabonis. He just marveled at how a little player could cause that much havoc. Part of what made Sabonis so great was his extreme height. But what made Muggsy so great was his extreme lack of height and how he was able to use it to his advantage. The tournament was held in Spain and the newspapers kept referring to him as La Chispa Negra, and that translates to The Black Spark. Now, And that was intended as a compliment, by the way, back in the 1980s. Not only did the team win the gold medal at the tournament, but Muggsy's profile was raised tremendously as he played on a team with some of the best college players in the country and not only held his own, but was one of the team's stars. And here is a list of some of the other players that played on that national team. David Robinson, Sean Elliott, Steve Kerr, Kenny Smith, Ronnie Cycli, and Brian Shaw. After coming home from Spain with the gold medal, it seemed that an NBA career was now a real possibility for Muggsy Bogues. In his own autobiography, he never really thought that far ahead. He just wanted a college scholarship in order to get out of his Baltimore neighborhood. The NBA was something else completely, but he was talking about possibly being a second round pick following his senior year. For senior year, Wake Forest did not have a lot of success again, but Muggsy was named to the All-ACC first team and scored 29 points on senior night, which is the last home game each season where the teams honor their graduating seniors. Now it was time to prepare for the NBA draft, but he did need a bit of seasoning before entering the NBA. And we'll be right back after this break with the conclusion of our profile on Muggsy Bogues.
0: unique Unique items with the retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, ROW number one, for access to the full Row One catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a fifteen percent discount off all prints on the Row One Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN fifteen. Follow the link on the show notes.
1: Welcome back to the show and let us continue with a story on Muggsy Bogues. He just finished his college career at Wake Forest. He also won a gold medal with Team USA at the 1986 World Championships. At this point in the summer of 1987, Muggsy was hearing that he could go first round or early second round. However, at every level of basketball, he always had to prove himself over again. It's almost as if the scouts never saw him play before. They saw him dominate his position in one of the toughest conferences in college basketball, but still could not get over the idea that a five foot three point guard could make it in the NBA. It was the same story that he had heard his entire life. A 5'3 point guard can't make it at the high school level. And then he dominated. A 5'3 point guard can't make it at the college level. And then he dominated. A 5'3 guard can't make it at the NBA. Well, we would see. To get a little bit more development, Muggsy signed on with a team called the Rhode Island Gulls of the United States Basketball League. It was a league where many college players would go to try to improve their draft stock or for players who still had the dream of playing in the NBA. Well, Muggsy performed well enough to be invited to the official NBA pre-draft camp, and he teamed up with Scottie Pippen from Central Arkansas State University, and their team went undefeated during the scrimmages. Muggsy had proved that he was a legitimate NBA prospect, and now it was time for the draft. itself. According to the rumor mill, the two teams that really needed a point guard were the Knicks and the Washington Bullets. Mark Jackson was also coming out that year from St. John's University and was likely going to be chosen by the Knicks since he was a local kid and he was also an excellent point guard. It also happened that his best friend, Reggie Williams, was selected with the fourth overall pick by the LA Clippers. Muggsy was so happy to see his best friend in the whole world achieve his dream of playing in the NBA. And then with the 12th pick, the Washington Bullets selected Tyrone Muggsy Bogues from Wake Forest. It was a dream come true and amazing that they were able to share that night together. But hold on, with the 22nd pick in the draft, the Boston Celtics selected Reggie Lewis of Northeastern University. It was an incredible night that all three got into a group hug as they were all selected in the first round of the NBA draft. It was the first time and still the only time that three teammates from the same high school all went in the first round of an NBA draft and that was a special night for Muggsy. But now it was time to get started. At first, he was not sure about going to Washington. It was essentially going home since Washington, D.C. and Baltimore are so close to each other. The concern was about being pulled back into the rough life of his old neighborhood. He was actually looking forward to going to a different city where he could make a fresh start. But things in the NBA did not go as Muggsy had anticipated. Part of what makes Muggsy so good is his extreme speed. He is so much faster than everybody else. For him to do well, he had to be leading the break. Half-court basketball did not suit his playing style as well as fast-break basketball, like what he played in high school and college. Unfortunately, the Bullets team that he was drafted to had Moses Malone, Manute Bowl, an older Bernard King, and Terry Catledge. Not exactly a collection of speedsters. The Bullets offense was a half-court offense and they rarely ran. Muggsy felt stifled in a slow-down half-court style of ball. His numbers were not great and he started wondering how long he would last in the league at this rate. His coach, Kevin Loggery who is a fine NBA coach, could not get over a five foot three point guard. He did not give Muggsy a lot of minutes and Loggery got fired after 27 games. The new coach was Hall of Famer, Wes Unseld, and he saw something in Muggsy, which was good for Muggsy, but he could not magically make the rest of the team any younger. They were an older, slower team, and they just could not run a fast-break offense. They had to run a half-court style by default. Running a fast-break style was just not possible when you had all of these old legs on the team. Now, everyone knew that Muggsy was just not a good fit for the Washington Bullets. So that summer, they left him unprotected in the expansion draft. And just by chance, two new teams were coming into the NBA that year as brand new franchises, the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat. When new teams come into the NBA, they hold something called the expansion draft. All of the existing teams can protect eight players from being taken by the new teams. And that means that the rest of the roster is vulnerable. After flipping a coin, the Hornets and the Heat take turns picking players from the existing teams with one caveat. Once a player is taken from an existing team, no more players can be taken from that same team. In the third round of the expansion draft, the Hornets selected Muggsy Bogues from the Bullets. And I clearly remember that summer because I am a huge Lakers fan. And the Hornets are also the team that selected Kurt Rambis from the Lakers, who was the odd man out when the Lakers named their eight protected players. But it was a fresh start for Muggsy. It was a brand new team with a blank slate for their history. There were no real expectations on them as a team, and the city was going bananas because the state of North Carolina finally had its first major sports franchise. And Muggsy was not a regular starter that first year in Charlotte, but they had guys who'd like to run and score a lot of points. The team had Kelly trapuca Rex Chapman, Robert Reed, and the aforementioned Kurt Rambis, who all put up double digits and scoring. Now, this was a great situation for Muggsy, even if they did not win a lot. The city loved them, and Muggsy was a huge hit with fans, especially the kids. By his second year in Charlotte, Muggsy had taken over the starting point guard spot and was scoring 10 points and dishing out 10 assists per game. The team was slowly getting better, but because of their poor record, they were able to draft near the top of the order in the next couple of drafts. In 1991, they had the first pick in the entire draft, and they took Larry Johnson, who was a beast of a player. In 1992, they had the second pick, and they took Alonzo Mourning, who was the defensive presence that the Hornets desperately needed in the middle. In 1993, they made their first trip to the playoffs and were matched up with the Boston Celtics in the first round. Celtics practically had the entire history of the NBA behind them, as they had 16 championship banners hanging in the rafters. The Hornets were about to play their very first playoff game. And wouldn't you know it, the Hornets won the series and moved on to the second round where they got knocked out by the Knicks. But the city of Charlotte could not have been happier. They knew that something special was happening. The Hornets made the playoffs three out of the next five years, but could not do better than the second round. After nine seasons in Charlotte, Muggsy was traded to the golden state warriors where he came off the bench for about a year and a half and then he played his final two seasons in toronto where he came off the bench again and was able to throw a few alley-oop passes to vince carter and then age got to him he wrapped up his career at the end of the 2001 season and in his retirement from the nba he did a little bit of coaching in the wnba and some high school coaching he also dabbled in real estate and invested in a clothing company that specializes in clothes for short people He still makes public appearances and works for the Charlotte Hornets as a brand ambassador. At only 58 years old, he still has a lot of productive years left in him to continue to work and bring smiles to the faces of Hornets fans. And let's not forget that appearance in Space Jam alongside Michael Jordan. Muggsy was an extremely unique player, and I want to end with a quote by Alan Bristow, his first coach with the Hornets. Here's the quote. People always say we'll never see another Larry Bird. but I've always felt that we have a better chance of seeing another Larry Bird than we do of seeing another Muggsy Bogues. Nobody has ever done what Muggsy is doing. end of quote. And I have to agree with that. We will see another Larry Bird way before we see another 5 foot three point guard like Muggsy Bogues. Well, that is it for today. Join us next time when we share another story from basketball history. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to SportsHistoryNetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.
2: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman